Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Alba with Jesse Romero. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. Hey, I'm 10-8, Ruben, ready for duty. Awesome. Jesse, we, we've had, uh, we've seen since the summer of love the across the nation, primarily in the in the blue states, uh, the crime wave has gone out off the charts. And uh, we've got uh, some people, some Democratic mayors that are, you know, they're, 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 they're re- regretting what they said about the defunding the police. We're going to talk about that. So anyway. Yeah, Ruben, it, I just saw an article. I think it was the L.A. Times, one of the, some, of the, some of the major papers around the country. Last week, the chief of police of Los Angeles was telling people, don't come to Los Angeles. Uh, we can't protect you. Crime is through the roof. We don't have enough officers out there. Please, if you're not from Los Angeles, if you're from out of town, don't come into Los Angeles. That was actually a, a press release put out by the LAPD chief last week, which goes to show you, Ruben... <clears throat> Uh, it's biting them in the you know where this whole defunding the police in the wake of the George Floyd protests, and now a lot of them are starting to backpedal. Mm. Yeah, I I know I saw the uh, the union president uh, saying that, so I didn't know I don't know the chief also said it, but it, it was uh, it's it's telling you know uh, when people on the force are, uh, are are telling you this because it's it's for your own sake, but also to get the attention of of those in charge, you know, city council and the mayor and, um, it, it's, it's out of control here in LA. And so I'm just, uh, Ruben, not only Los Angeles, it's all, it's out of control in a lot of the big blue cities, San Francisco, Oakland, Chicago, New York, Minneapolis, Portland, because these knuckleheads, Ruben, yeah. I, I mean, I'm saying as respectful as I can, I know it's a Catholic show, but they've issued new budgets First, they went to they wanted to defund the police, and now they're seeing that that didn't work. Uh, some of them are backpedaling, but some of them have have still kept kept the budget cuts uh, to, to law enforcement. And some of these leftist mayors are dealing now with the rise in homicide, and they're also dealing with an exodus of officers yeah. and a lot of political pressure from the mayors. Obviously, you know because the mayors are beholden to the federal government. And uh, it's just one, it's just one incestuous relationship, Ruben. Just follow the money. Yeah, and a lot of these these mayors have political agendas, or they they have a, the aspirations of going further in their political career. So they they're just you know uh, uh, saying uh, going along the party lines, and that's to de- demonize the police, make it seem like uh, the police are the are the problem, uh, and. Uh, and it, and we've talked about it before. There's there's no accountability for these people, and like you know George Floyd and some of the others that were um, that were killed at the hands of police. But had they only complied, that would have never happened. But nobody ever says that, and uh, they've wanted to uh, you know across the nation they're they're, def- they're they're getting rid of bail so that the people as soon as they they get arrested. Before the uh, paper, the ink is dry on the paper. They're they're already out the door, and so they're out there offending again. And... Can you imagine how disheartened, uh, oh. you know, young cops are that are working hard oh, to put yeah. people in jail? Uh, 
Ruben, I just had uh, a family member from California who was here for the la- for a couple of days during the for for Christmas, the octave, mm-hmm. and she told me she goes, uh, Uncle, she says, you have people going into stores. She says I was standing in line in a store. I forget one of those big market, one of the big retailers, and she says two young black ladies walked in and like opened up a big old bag and went down this one aisle where there's perfumes and mascara and just put like swept everything into this bag she says it was hundreds and hundreds of dollars of product and uh and she says and they just walked right out now my niece told the the the, the teller says aren't you guys gonna do anything the the the, the teller behind the register says no it's it's under a thousand dollars and stuff it's just a misdemeanor the police won't even come out wow. ruben communities can't survive with this type of anarchy and this is what blue states have done yeah and they did that a few uh, years ago by by i know in california anyway by changing the laws and to make uh, what used to be a 450 dollars limit uh the threshold to now 950 to, for it to be a felony so uh they knew what they were doing when they got into this and and um and the the left these leftists started uh, controlling the, you know, uh, district attorney's office. Uh, and I, I think that's where it's got to start. We've got to start recalling some of these George Soros appointed district attorneys. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Ruben, there's a, there was a Harris poll that was that uh, was put out earlier this year. They found that 83 percent of registered voters in the United States have a favorable, favorable view of police officers, including the black community. Upwards of in the high 80s percent of blacks want more police in their community, not less. And I'll tell you one thing, Ruben, about these leftist Marxist Democrats, what they don't understand or they probably do, but they don't care. They follow their 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 leader, Satan, the father of lies. The Bible says that Satan is a a, a, a murder, a thief and a liar, yeah. a thief. OK, seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. You'll find when Democrats take control of power, Ruben. They they take your money, it's, you know. Uh, they they take from Peter and give to Paul. Uh, they they start an entitlement culture, and basically, you know, they start stealing from one kitty and, and put in another kitty. Mm-hmm. These people have no scruples, uh, and again, it doesn't surprise me because again, all they do is follow the tactics of their father Satan, who likes to kill, like Democrats like to kill babies. And likes to steal, like Democrats like to steal uh, the, the the middle class people and rape us. Yeah, uh, over in Chicago, I, I believe uh, they were going over a thousand murders for the year in Chicago. And uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot um, isn't she just a, a zero as far as a leader goes? <laughs> she she was refusing federal help when Trump was in office, and um, he was he was. Uh, you know, pleading with her to go, have let us send in some of the the federal agents in here. So now she's asking for uh, the she she says uh, with all deliberate haste, detail ATF agents to Chicago for six months so that we can increase the number of gun investigations and seizures in Chicago. There's just so many killings, uh, but she just doesn't get it. The guns that are being used, um, they're not obtained legally. You know, not legally obtained. They're stolen on the, and sold on the black market. So, uh, I, I mean, you need the rank and file patrol uh, deputies and officers to, uh, you know, to, to seize those guns and then, and then let the, 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 the agents kind of work b- backwards from there. But 
uh, just getting ATF doesn't, they, they don't drive around the streets and, you know, making traffic stops and they're more of a, you know, like a, like detectives. So I don't know how, how that's going to work out, but. Ruben, you know what I think what the Democrats want to do? Barack Obama, when he was president years ago, uh, we're, we're, we're living under the third term of Barack Obama, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the things that Barack Obama said he, uh, when he was president is that he wanted a civilian police force. Uh, you know, that's part of the whole, uh, yeah. you know, the whole socialist, uh, uh, you know, what, what's it, what's, uh, what was he involved in? What's it called? Uh, Oh, he was a community organizer. And that's that's part of community organizing is to we don't need uh, state police. We need civilian law enforcement from the people. And so this the, the, again, the whole defunding and you see it in certain areas. For example, there's a place in Michigan, which is a stronghold for for Muslims. It's a Muslim basically section that nobody can go in there. Not even the police go in there. Guess what? They police themselves. They have their own basically yeah. Sharia law court. And and in many parts in Europe, they have already have places where law enforcement does not go in. The Muslim community polices themselves and they have their own courts and they operate under Sharia law within European countries. And we have this here in Michigan. I forget uh, the name of the city. Somebody will probably text me right now. Let me know. But I think this is, again, where the Democrat they don't want... They have a contempt for law, law enforcement. They'd rather have the Black Panther Party and the Crips and the Occupy Wall Street and Antifa uh, patrol the cities. Can you imagine what a disaster that would be? Yeah, horrible. Uh, they're they're from the school of uh, you know Saul Alinsky, so they uh, they they think these these tactics are gonna uh, it's it's to help their own agenda, to very, basically to, to make us go to a, a one world government and. And uh, in need to uh, follow the government, to to rely on the government. That's right. Uh, they want big government is what they want. So, Ruben, something else very interesting is that, you know, the, the uh, Democrats are big into the Marxist Democrats are big into, uh, you know, against the Second Amendment. They want to take people's guns away. You heard like Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. He said he said what a lot of Democrat politicians actually feel. He just happened to have said it. Uh, and he sounded very stupid saying it, by the way. Yeah. But. Uh, most people don't realize that one of the things that during the Civil War, uh, the Republicans armed the slaves that weren't allowed to have weapons, armed them, and then said, "You need to help. You need to help us fight for your freedom." And so the black slaves, now armed, they joined the Republican forces to fight the Dixie Democrats uh, during the Civil War. <sighs> And and so if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the Republicans arming or should I say rearming because they obviously slaves weren't allowed to possess any weapons. And the Republican says, no, you need weapons and you need to help fight for your own freedom and fight alongside with us so we can stop this. Nice. Again, the Democrats, if it was up to them, uh, they would like to uh, take away all our guns, just like they took the guns away from all blacks uh, during the during the slave era. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was funny that Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, she said that if red states and blue states were divorced e- to divorce each other, she said that, that when Democrats move from a, a, a red st- from a blue state to a red state, they should have a cooling off period and be barred from voting for a while. <laughs> yeah. Hey, up next, we got a Catholic comedian, Steve Garone. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. All right. Now, back to Jesus 911.
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol two-man car, we've got a... We're going to switch gears now. Instead of talking about uh, crime, we're going to talk about comedy. We've got a friend on the show. His name's Steve Garone. I met Steve a while back ago, a couple of years ago, when I moved out here to Phoenix. Steve is uh, one of the uh, great Catholic men out here that's making a difference. Uh, he just got a heart to evangelize people. And he also, he's come up with this, uh, what's called the St. Philip Neary Festival, which is going to be on January 8th. In Mesa 2022 at the uh, Vertuccio Farms, another good Catholic friend of ours, Cono Vertuccio. But uh, Steve, welcome to the show. And tell us, how did you, what was the brainchild for you to come up with the St. Philip Neri Festival in uh, Mesa, Arizona on January 28th? What inspired you to do something like this? I mean, what a cool name, St. Philip Neri. Pray for us, by the way. Yeah, uh, January 8th, not 28th, just to correct there for ah, a minute. Thank you, thank you, um, January 8th. But uh, so it was during the whole pandemic, which I, I was hoping that it would that the whole thing would be over by now, but it's not. But it was around the beginnings of it in 2020 uh, and, you know, into 2021 when there was a bunch of conferences that were being put up online. And the conferences... What it used to be is that you'd go to a conference and there would be somebody who would tell you the things that are, you know, dangerous in the world, why you should be scared, sad and afraid. And then afterwards, you would meet up with a bunch of people and you'd all talk and, you know, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd get the camaraderie. But all these conferences were virtual. And so there was none of that camaraderie. It was just here's a bunch of videos of people talking about why you should be sad, scared and, and angry. And <laughs> there you go. Have a great day. So I thought. Well, uh, someone's got to put together a conference that's going to be about joy, hope, and fun so that everyone can feel joy, hope, and fun again. And uh, nobody else was doing it. And so I was like, okay, I'll see what I can do. Uh, so I got you know together with some people um, and uh, say, hey, we're going to put on a festival. Um, and I contacted people around. I got connections to this. A Catholic Phoenix, a group here, said that they'd help me uh, put this thing together. Uh, Cono Vertuccio from Vertuccio Farms, he said, yeah, we're going to give you the farm for the day so you can do it. And uh, that's where we able to choose the date, January 8th. Um, and the rest of it is just me reaching out to people. And uh, we have Father Leo Peddling Hug. He's going to be coming to do a talk and to do a cooking demonstration. We have the guys from the Catholic Man Show. They're going to be coming out. We have uh, Sherry Boas. She's coming uh, from, she, got, she has a tea shop. She's going to give uh, a talk about starting a tea group uh, amongst the ladies and the Catholic Mancha will talk about starting a men's group in your diocese. Uh, so yeah, we're, we've got some uh, good people coming out. We've got a comedy show that's going to, that's going to end the night um, with some local Catholic comedians. No one is really huge. I, I would say in the, in the comedy, or, you know, comedy thing, it's just, we want to spread some joy and some love and uh, some hope that, you know, the, that things can get better. And um, so we decided to put something together. Steve, I like uh, I like the fact that you called the St. Philip Neri Festival. I know that he was known for being a very joyful priest over in Rome. Tell us a little bit about St. Philip Neri. Why did you choose him? Well, uh, it was actually, the, the story is uh, I wanted to start up just something that would help to promote joy. And I looked for the, the, the Catholic 
patron saint of humor and joy is St. Philip Neri. And I knew almost nothing about him at the time, which is a shame because a lot of people don't know a lot about him. But he was a great guy. Um, And he came at at a time which I feel mirrors our own time, which was uh, he came during the um, during the Reformation. Right. And uh, and he was able to basically re-Catholicize Rome at a time when bishops were fighting bishops and priests were fighting priests. And you had competing ideologies and confusion in the streets of Rome. And he was able to, uh, you know, basically bring Catholicism back into Rome by promoting humor and joy. Um, and so that's what what we're trying to do. Our big message is bringing people back to the table, uh, you know, inviting people back into your homes so that they can eat with you um, and, you know, really enforcing that that sense of community uh, so that we can all get along together. Because nowadays, like we're treating our friends like our enemies. Sometimes we need to be have a little bit more charity and a little bit more kindness and we need to be uh, open up our homes and and our, you know, give feed our enemies and turn them into friends over a good meal and a and a pint of beer. <laughs> Steve uh, Rubinava here. Uh, you know, I I I like many others. Are very uh, we lo- we lo- we love comedy shows, you know. And unfortunately, the the filth that goes on at comedy shows these days is just it's not. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't take a family to to a comedy show today, but. Uh, you know, in in my before my reversion back to the faith, I really enjoyed uh, going out to the comedy shop and uh, Ice House and things of that nature. But uh, you know, you would you wouldn't find me uh, getting anywhere close to that now. But this is I, I'm really uh, fascinated by this concept uh, of bringing in some good, clean comedy. You know, and and the fact that you, we can now associate with one another. You know, people of like minds, and and I think you're you're onto something here. So. Uh, Good job. Keep up the good work. Yeah, uh, Steve's website is catholiccomedy.com, catholiccomedy.com. The festival is January 8th, 2022. It's on a Saturday. It's called the St. Philip Neri Festival. It's going to be here in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, It's going to be a great time. I mean, I just know uh, entire families and stuff and grandkids. I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of buzz out here. Uh, People just want to get together and laugh and have a good time with a bunch of Catholics. And I think Steve, you're just you're just onto something big, because e- even if just even if let's just say, uh, worst case scenario, all of us were whacked by the globalists. Okay, <laughs> you know we have to at least go out with a smile like Saint Lawrence did when he was being grilled in Rome, the Deacon Lawrence, and he looked at his executioners and he goes, "Hey, can you guys turn me over on the other side? I'm already pretty well cooked in this side." Yeah. So. So I like your style, Steve. I mean, even if we go out by the globalists and stuff, we got to go out with a smile because we know how it all ends. Steve, comments? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things, if you listen to what exorcists say, and I know that, that Jesse, you are a big fan of the exorcists, uh, they'll say that God likes to mock devils and uh, demons, and that's one of the reasons why he lets pious people get uh, you know, get attacked by demons so that the devil can be humiliated. And humor is a great way to humiliate Satan. Uh, we're 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 doing what we can to bring uh, comedy back into the world. We were, con- I contacted somebody to try to find some Catholic comedians uh, to come to the festival. And uh, she told me Catholics aren't funny. So we're, we're looking to change that <laughs> perspective. 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, particularly because I'm I would be what one would call more of a traditional Catholic. I go to Latin mass and everything like that. And Man. we've got a reputation for being humorless, angry people. And we've got to change that <laughs> reputation, too. Yeah. So I, I do a weekly comedy show or a comedy uh, podcast, basically. Um, if you look for Catholic comedy on any of your podcast uh, things or if you can find uh, Catholic comedy on YouTube, we put and on Gab TV. We put up a, uh, about, you know, a two to three minute sketch every Monday. Hmm. And, uh, you know, just it's good, good uh, fun. That's all we're trying to do is just have some good fun, spread some laughs and maybe get some people who are a little bit more serious to to take or to take a moment and smile. You know, uh, Steve, uh, Jesse has a book out on uh, Catholic comedy, right? Jesse, yeah, nope. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to take it over to your house, Steve. Uh, it's called maybe somebody could do a stand up with it. It's called Our Mouths Were Filled With Laughter. It's got Catholic jokes. I mean, hmm. I, just, I, I just don't have the uh, the charisma to make people laugh. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, I, I'm going to put in somebody's hands that I know that does have that charisma and they could do a good hour stand up on some good Catholic jokes that I, I they're not mine. I just I just grabbed them, you know, for the last ten years. Yeah, but I'll right. make sure I'll, I'll make sure I get that to you, Steve. Uh, J- Jesse uh, kind of grew up with a comedian uh, George Lopez, and he uh, he tried to pitch this book to him, saying, "Hey, well, why don't you use these jokes?" Because what did he say, Jesse? <laughs> he, he 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 said, "Jess, if I use your book, I'll be out of a job." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I yeah. tried. I tried. It's it's hard out there, and you know we're we're trying to get more people being comedic. I mean, there's there's a couple of good examples of decent comedians. Kevin James is probably the biggest uh, mm-hmm. example of a good. I mean, biggest yeah. both in terms of his size and in terms of the size of his audience. <laughs> yes, uh, but he's a good he's a good Catholic comedian. Um, his jokes are are relatively clean, and uh, his the TV show he had, Kevin Can Wait, was very Catholic with a lot of Catholic imagery. There was a crucifix in every house. Or in every room of the house, uh, they talked about going to mass. He went, he goes to confession uh, on occasion, things like that. So that was very good. One of the things I, I tell people is that I'm really holding this Catholic comedy mantle until Kevin James realizes it exists and he takes it up because he's <laughs> he's got he's got the the influence and the money and the time that he could make something really great. And I'm just I'm just a father of uh, five, soon to be six. My wife is due any day now, hopefully before the festival, uh, but. Just I'm just a guy trying to do something, trying to get the message out so that people start laughing and having fun and realizing God is funny. Uh, he's, he's he's very funny. And there's a lot of stuff that you can look in into the Bible that has a lot of humor to it. Um, but we, we try to, we tend to take ourselves too seriously. And we have to remember that God invented humor and humor is good and joy is good. And especially in times where we're in a constant spiritual war. We need to have reprieve. Like if you have if you know, if you go to war and you don't have R and R, your troops will burn out and die. And you, you don't win wars if you don't have some semblance of reprieve. So we need something. And so this is kind of the idea. If it works, I'm I'm hoping that other dioceses across the nation will take this they take up the mantle and say, Yes, let's have a Saint Philip Neri festival. You know, just just I just want it to happen. And nobody else was doing it, so I had to do it. And and we'll continue to do things until someone does it better. And then we can say, okay, this person is doing it, and they're doing it well, and we can hand it off to them. So I'll I'll make sure, Steve, I get this link to Kevin James. I I can promise you I'll do it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jesse. Uh, yeah, Jesse's brother helped catechize him, right, Jesse? Uh, yeah. 
Uh, so, Stephen, th- there's another gentleman. I don't know uh, if this is the same one. There's another gentleman with your same name in the movie industry. Was is that some another? No, co- just a coincidence. Uh, there's a Stephen Garone in the movie industry. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, I I am in no way in the movie industry. I'm just a guy doing a thing. I have a day job. Um, you know, I just I just do this uh, for you know extra fun, I guess, and to help spread the word. But I am in no way famous. I'm I like <laughs> if you if you say my name in a in a circle of people, like who? I was like I was on a call with uh, with another radio show, and I was like, you know what, just just call me Catholic comedy. That's fine by me. Just just use Catholic comedy. Don't use my name. My name means nothing. You know, I am you know there, but for the grace of God, right? Ed type of thing. It's I'm just a guy. I'm doing my thing. God wants me to do this now. Uh, he may want me to do something else later. Catholic comedy, I feel, is a brand that we can utilize, and it will be you know somebody will come along that that can do it better possibly, and then I'm I'm perfectly willing to hand the brand over to them. You know, if they're able to do it better than me. So, Steve, uh, you want to what? Go ahead. What's the date, Jesus? What's the date, Steve? We're getting together. What date? Uh, it's January eighth, twenty twenty two. And how? Same Philip Neri Festival. And how can they yeah. reach you? The website. Uh, CatholicComedy.com. That's CatholicComedy.com. Standing. It was great meeting you. Great having you on the show, Steve. We'll be looking forward to that. Uh, com- now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Uh, that was a uh, that was a good uh, we're guest to have on just because. Uh, yeah, I. Th- you know what? He, this guy's tracking in the right direction. This guy's saying, "Man, why are we acting like so frumpy and so depressed?" Come on, guys. We know who wins at the end. Let's have some joy here. Yeah, he's right. You know, uh, traditional Catholics, are, they tend to be stuffy and, uh, <laughs> you know, they come out of mass. They want to, you know, just uh, get in their car and go home. And, <laughs> so it's uh, it's I think it's great to to be able to, uh, to talk with uh, like people of like mind and just enjoy the company, especially coming out of this uh, this pandemic, you know, <clears throat> Now that we're we're starting to push back and and tell them, hey, we're, we're we've had it, we're we're done with your lockdowns and your, uh, you know, restrictions. We uh, th- this is nothing more than a, you know, a, a flu, and uh, we've never locked down the country for a flu. So we're we're having our comedy shows and we're gonna we're gonna do what we want to do, right? Um, exactly. Uh, and 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 again, they just uh, there's a verse in the Bible. It's Psalm one twenty six verse two. It says, "Our mouths were filled with laughter." I mean, these are the Jews saying this in the context mm-hmm. of being, uh, they've been, they're prisoners in Babylon, and yet they're saying our mouths were filled with laughter. So it goes to show you, again, even in the midst of whatever we're going through and stuff, we should have a, 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 you know, a smile on our face, Ruben, because we know ultimately how this ends, no matter what happens in between. Absolutely. Good job. So let's uh, switch gears. Let's talk about uh, Mariah Carey. Jess, what uh, what is she? Yeah, saying? you know what? I'm going to give her some props. Uh, singer Mariah Carey. She she's got a, a, a like a popular Christmas song that's very popular. Yeah, uh, I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty catchy. I like it. I like the jingles. Uh, it's a very it's a clean song, uh, but it, I, I like the fact that. This is pretty amazing on her part. I don't know. I know nothing about her. Okay, mm-hmm. but there was a billboard that gave Mariah Carey the title 
Queen of Christmas in a recent headline, but the singer-songwriter rejected this title in a BBC podcast. Uh, the music and entertainment magazine says that she earned the title due to her record-breaking Christmas songs, particularly All I Want for Christmas is You. However, Mariah Carey says she does not deserve the title. I mean, that's that's pretty humble for somebody of her stature. Yeah. So during the BBC's uh, the podcast, it was called the, the Zobal Breakfast Show. Uh, you know, this guy's gushing over Mariah Carey's uh, Queen of Christmas title. And uh, and uh, Zobal, the podcaster, says, I cannot even tell you how excited we are to have you on the show as the Queen of Christmas. Then Mariah Carey, she reluctantly responds, almost embarrassingly, uh, saying that she did not create the name. And uh, she says this. Mariah Carey says, quote, Can I just say that I did not create the title? Or the moniker, Queen of Christmas. I did not do that. That was other people. And I just want to humbly say, I don't consider myself that. Mariah Carey says, I'm someone that loves Christmas and happen to be blessed to write All I Want for Christmas is You and a lot of other Christmas songs. And let's face it, everybody. Everybody's faith is what it is. But to me, Mary is the queen of Christmas. Ruben, she just went up a couple of notches in my eyes. Yeah, she did, yeah. <laughs> she is uh, She is an Episcopalian, you know. Um, that's some, some people call them uh, Catholic light, you know. Um, <laughs> but in some cases, they're actually more reverent than some of our modernist parishes out here. So In their liturgy, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, so, so they have a lot of similarities in terms of, you know— uh, a lot of their their churches are named after saints, and uh, they have uh, uh, you know I don't know all the ins and outs uh, of the religion, but I know some of them are de- uh, devoted to the to the Blessed Mother. You know, she yeah, they do have Marian uh, some type of Marian devotion, not not as developed as in the Catholic and the right. Orthodox, but but I can tell you also under Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, you had about eight hundred. Episcopalians, both both bishops and priests, mm-hmm. that jumped ship. They came over to the Catholic Church under the papacy, realizing again that you know they had liturgy, they had tradition, but again uh, they, they they only went as far back as King Henry the Eighth, and so hundreds of them jumped ship under the papacy of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Right, right, and uh, you know if you're here in the uh, Covina area, uh, Terry uh, at his chapel has a uh, Anglican, Anglican ordinary, ordinary liturgy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. From the chair of St. Peter, so it's uh, it's Catholic and um, and it's a very reverent uh, service here. So if you're in the area in uh, Covina, California, you stop on by. Yeah, the uh, the chapel. Our Lady of Grace has named it Our Lady of Grace, right? And uh, going back to Mariah Carey, so she she was married to her, her first husband Tommy Matola. He's a Sony Music uh, president, and they were married in the Episcopalian Church in uh, New York in 1993, and then. Later on, obviously that uh, the marriage didn't work out. She, she, uh, she married uh, Nick Cannon, another uh, musician and and uh, actor. And uh, he says that they were uh, they actually what bonded them together was their spiritual beliefs and the, the, a lot of the stuff they talked about in their courting was uh, stuff about prayer and they prayed together and and whatnot. And um, they she has a Mariah has a deep love for the Bible and. Um, 
but uh, she, you know, she had a, a, a suffered an emotional, physical breakdown over the summer of 2001, and it led to uh, you know um, her subsequent release from her record label and earth-shattering loss of popularity and a consequent dark turn in her career. But but following that recovery, Mariah said in an interview published in, in Female First that prayer was a significant factor in her daily life. She says, um, I feel difference. I feel the difference when I don't have my private moments to pray. So she, you know, she shared uh, further that her relationship with God is foremost in her life and credits her dependence on him with helping in her healing. So good for her, you know, uh, yeah. let's just uh, yeah. pray that she comes full circle and, and, uh, and comes into the fullness of the faith. Well, you can see, you know, based on this interview, Ruben, you can see that you can see that the Lord is tugging at her heart. Uh, you know, th- this is, you know, throughout our life, we have what I call these moments of grace. And without a doubt, this interview was a moment of grace for her. Uh, it, making that song, All I Want uh, for Christmas is You, that's another moment of grace. Those are just little moments where God is just working and trying to, uh, to bring the people back to himself, you know, like the prodigal son or prodigal daughter. And so we're all on a journey, but she's definitely on a journey. Again, it's it's very difficult because being in that culture, being in that environment, uh, it's so it's so worldly in the negative sense. Yeah. And so uh, uh, but it's good to see, Ruben, that uh, uh, that she's she's uh, starting to see the light. She's getting more. She's getting more moral clarity. Mm. Well, she stays close to Mary. Um, that's that's a good sign. That's a, you know that she's going to uh, Mary's going to help. Mother Mary's going to help. Uh, you know, bring her to the fullness and and uh, a deeper love for her for our Lord and Savior. You know, who knows? Maybe that come later on. Maybe it'll come sooner. But she's the second the second biggest female recording artist of wow. all time, second only to Barbara Streisand. And really, uh, yeah, I didn't know that either. And so she's you know she's come through some colossal highs and some uh, dizzying lows, but her strength lies in her 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 faith. You know, and that. And her belief that with God all things are possible. So uh, Mariah Carey, you know, keep it up. That's uh, yeah. She, she scored a few points in my uh, in my uh, book, and I, I, you know, I have uh, I have that CD. I have some Christmas songs um, uh, from her. Although you know, nobody plays CDs anymore. I'm already dating myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you sure did date yourself, yeah. Ruben. And you know what? Uh, music is just a powerful medium to communicate a message whether whether good yeah. or bad it's just a powerful message you know the the bible is filled with again heaven is full of music it's 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 constant and in fact the jews say that when god was creating the world that uh god created the angels uh in genesis chapter 1 verse 3 i think that would be the first or second day Right after that, the angels were singing uh, nonstop. So God created the rest of the world, day two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, with music in the background. That's the tradition of the Jews, that the angels were singing when God created them, and they continued singing as God finished uh, the, the, the six days of creation, which goes to show, and right now even in heaven, I mean, the Bible is very clear that in heaven, uh, you have the angels and saints that are singing and praising God day and night, night and day, nonstop. So music is a very powerful, but the devil also knows how powerful music is. So the devil could also use music 
in a, in a very uh, what I would call in, in in a way that puts people in a trance. You know, for example, like in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments to speak to God at Mount Sinai, his brother was left there, Aaron. And the Bible says that all the, the Israelites started saying, well, let's make ourselves a God because Moses isn't back yet and stuff. And let's let's burn our gold and our silver. Let's make ourselves a God. And uh, <laughs> Aaron didn't object. He was very they just basically ran roughshod over him. And the Bible says they began dancing around this golden calf. Well, they, they were dancing. And when you look at some of the old movies, you know, made like, you know, the Ten Commandments by, with uh, with uh, Charlton Heston, obviously they were dancing to music. And so it was music that was causing them to incite their passions. And actually the word dancing in Hebrew means it's a euphemism for they were having a sexual orgy to music. Mm. Yeah. So, again, you, you find music could also be used for very – also – when, when the, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, when he would have the Jews worship the, the false Babylonian gods, and David, and I mean, David, Daniel refused. He never did. But what he would do, the king would play this, this Babylonian pagan music, and he'd force the Israelites to go prostrate and worship these false gods of his, except Daniel didn't do that. You know, Daniel says, not me. But he would, he would make them worship the, the Babylonians and the, the Israelites that were slaves through this garbage Babylonian music. So again, music cuts both ways, Ruben. It could lift the soul to God or it could take the soul down to Satan. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of our young kids are listening to some really bad uh, music these days and it puts them in a trance. Uh, Bad lyrics, bad message, everything. So anyway, listen to Jesus 911. We'll be right back. All right. We'll change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Jesse, go ahead. Yes, sir. That's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, Ruben, we're talking talking about Mother Angelica, rest in peace. Yes. I think I think one day she'll be raised to the highest altars of the Catholic Church. Uh, we're doing this podcast because of Mother Angelica. I'll tell you why. She's the one that broke... Well, it was her and Venerable Fulton Sheen who realized the importance of, of Catholics uh, you know, sharing their voice in the marketplace of ideas and getting into media. So radio, television, everything, everything that's, that's happening right now is a result of two visionaries called Mother Angelica and Venerable Fulton Sheen mm-hmm. that realized that the devil is using technology in a very powerful way and we have to combat that with the truth. By the way, Ruben, I'll say this. EWTN would be a very different place if Mother Angelica was there today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times it's just, a lot of it's just establishment. Now, I will say this. I'm going to tip my hat. I'm going to give props to Raymond Arroyo. Boy, oh boy, is he a, a, a voice of, of truth and reason. He's almost a prophetic voice on Thursday nights on EWTN. He talks about the hard issues, Ruben, so much so that uh, the Vatican actually criticized uh, EWTN and said that, you know, they're diabolical. The Vatican, uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's not because of EWTN. It's because of Raymond Arroyo, because he's an honest, hard-hitting, truthful, candid journalist. 
and he holds he holds everybody's feet to the fire. He does it in a very congenial way, but uh, he does a good job, Ruben. Yeah. But uh, Mother Angelica, she encountered the true meaning of Christmas, and her message is one of hope for everyone. People have probably never heard this before. Uh, we know that the message of Christmas for many it's a time of giving and receiving. It's a time of uh, you know hunting and frustration over what to buy for Aunt Sarah or Uncle Joe. Uh, or Sleepy Joe. No, not Sleepy Joe. And some people are never satisfied with your gifts. Some people grumble over the pair of socks that you gave them. And the children want gifts and toys that you can't afford. And your husband keeps telling you things will be better next year. Don't worry, I'll make more money. Mm-hmm. But he's been saying that for the last 10 years. <laughs> then there's that year-in, year-out argument about which in-law's house you will visit to celebrate the holidays this year. How many houses have that argument? Yes, it's possible for Christmas to come and go while you hardly have time to listen to a Christmas carol. In fact, you probably heard them for a whole month but never got the message. So what is the message of Christmas, Ruben? Can you tell us? Well, um, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, when they were young, uh, uh, Some the author of, of uh, an article we're referencing, he says that as a single parent family christmas was bleak to say the least uh, actually this is mother angelica she says that uh, her this is a quote from her that christmas was bleak and uh her mother could never afford christmas trees or gifts and she says we went to grandma's for dinner and then went back to a cold apartment where my mother broke down in tears yeah this is something i never i never knew or if, if i did I, I i read one of her books but uh i don't remember this part and and you know the great feast of warmth, joy, and song was put in in shadow by the reality of a lonely life, a life of poverty and rejection, sadness, frustration. And she said that the saddest thing of all was that there was no hope that next Christmas would be any different. So then she says that uh, through a series of events that manifested God's personal love for her, she became a nun in the Franciscan contemplative order. And it was only then that the real message of uh, Christmas was clear. And she says, I, as I look back, the message had always been there, but the heartache had blurred the vision. So how many of us have had blurred vision because of our life situations? And, and um, you know, maybe uh, we don't have the, um, the, the, the things that we, we'd like to have or, you know, they're just uh, the people in our lives are, 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 are causing heartache and it. it that happens in a lot of households, but uh, here Mother Angelica is saying she, she found the real reason for Christmas, and she says in the monastery, the emphasis was on, on an infant who came into the world to experience the very heartache and poverty that had haunted me my whole life, and she says, I was thrust into heartache and poverty because of my father's rejection, and Jesus chose it because of his father's love for mankind. He wanted to give me a concrete and physical experience of that love. And uh, the father cared enough to send his son to share my problems and frustrations. The divine infant was the message sent to me so I could face the the suffering trials of daily life. Hmm. And and there would no longer be a desolate loneliness, but a a aloneness with the the one I loved and who loves me. Different sufferings and heartaches continue to come my way, but Jesus and I accept them together. Wow. Wow. She says, now there, there is peace in the midst of turmoil. Hope when all seems lost and faith in the darkness. Knowing he lives, 
Our midst gives me courage. Mother Angelica says, this is my experience. Your experience may be vastly different, but the important thing is that you do not allow the festivities of the seasons to blur your vision. Mm -hmm. You need not join a monastery to hear the message of Christmas. The message is already in your heart, for that is where love lives. Merry Christmas, Mother Angelica. Mm -hmm. May she rest in peace. And uh, Mother Angelica, pray for us. Amen. Yeah, so the real, the true meaning of Christmas is uh, like John chapter 3, verse uh, 16 and 17. You know, um, it says, uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, uh, you know, he sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, right? Scripture says that, but to save the world through him. And uh, so that's the, the true meaning of Christmas. And and the real Christmas story is is the story of God's becoming a man, you know, in the person of Jesus Christ. And why did he do that? Because he loves us. He loves us so much. Um, and it was necessary because we needed a Savior, right, Jesse? That's right, because we're a mess. Let's just be, let's just be honest. Look at the human race, uh, starting from Adam and Eve. We're a mess. Mm -hmm. And what do people need that are a mess? People need a savior. There's only one person who who fits the bill or who who meets the job description. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why? Because he's the firstborn of the Father. He shares the Father's divine nature, and he's the firstborn of Our Lady. He shares Our Lady's human nature. He's a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man at the same time. Mm. And, and and Jesus Christ, a lot of people don't realize that because he's 100% God and 100% man, Jesus Christ possesses what's called a triple knowledge. He possesses knowledge like you and I possess. It's called experiential knowledge. You have to learn things by, again, just coming in contact with them in kind of in a natural way. So on a human level, in his human nature, he has human knowledge by things he experienced in a natural way. The second thing that Jesus had, he had also infused knowledge. That's like a prophet. Prophets receive a message from God. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Peter, Paul, directly from God. It's, it's a message from God. They know it's from God, and they give it out to the world. That's called infused knowledge. But Jesus Christ also had another knowledge that none of us have. It's called the beatific knowledge. Because Jesus Christ is always in union facing the father he's always seeing the father and he has a face-to-face -face relationship he shares the same nature as the father he has the beatific vision which means he has this divine knowledge that he knows everything that's why in the bible you'll see many places where it'll say and he knew what was in their hearts how did he know that he knew that through his divine nature well, but sometimes the Bible says he grew in age and grace and wisdom. What's that reference to? It says human nature. He has to learn things like you and I, dude, experientially, how to use a glass, how to use a cup, how to use a fork as a, as a kid, as a baby. And so in the Bible, sometimes he exercises his divine knowledge. Sometimes he exercises his human knowledge. But uh, th that's why we say he's 100% God, 100% man at the same time. Think about this. In his divine nature, he touches heaven. 
He's part of heaven. In his human nature, he's part of earth. Right. Well, guess what? That's the cross. St. Bridget of Sweden says the, bro- the cross is the bridge to heaven. The only way we can get from this side, planet earth, to the other side, which is heaven, you got to walk the way of the cross that was laid down by the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. Because he's God, he can get you to heaven. Because he's man, he can bridge the gap for us to heaven. Preach it, Jesse. Yeah, uh, that's good stuff. You know, and and why does he love us so much? Because he's love itself, right? 1 John 4, 8. And so why do we celebrate Christmas each year? Out of gratitude for what God did for us, we remember His uh, His birth by giving, you know, by giving each other gifts, by but but mainly by worshiping Him, yes. in the way He wants us to be wants to be worshipped, and that mm-hmm. is through uh, the Mass, and uh, being especially conscious of of those who are less fortunate than ourselves, and uh, so Christmas is just a a good warm time of the year, but for others, many people uh, less fortunate. Um, there, or people who have lost loved ones around uh, at this time, they, it's, it's, it's a tough time for them. So pray for them. Uh, do what you can. Go out of your way for those people. Let them know that you be the voice of Christ to them by, by sharing uh, you know, your generosity and, and seeing what their needs are and just going out of your way to help others. And uh, you can do that. You can be the face of Christ to them. That's right. And by the way, in case you're wondering, the word Christmas, it's an old English word, Christe Misse, which means the Mass of Christ. It comes from the Middle Ages. Uh, the, the word Christmas, it actually means the Mass of Christ. And so you could actually separate it, Christ Mass. That's what it is. Somebody just texted me right, right now, Ruben. They said, uh, they said, Jesus Christ, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, the one unplanned pregnancy that saved us all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's probably Mary, M-A-R-Y, right? Not yeah, yeah. M-A-R-Y-C-H-R-I-S-T space M-A-S-S. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. The one unplanned pregnancy that saved us all. Amen. All right. Well, we're still in the Christmas season. We, you know, as Catholics, you know, we got our Christmas lights up and we're still celebrating. So day number six. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, remember uh, January 8th, the uh, Catholic Comedy here in Mesa, Arizona. Go to CatholicComedy.com and join us if you live anywhere near the area for an afternoon of Catholic laughter. Ruben, take it away. Yep. Also remember the Spiritual Warfare Conference, uh, January 29th and 30th in Pomona, California. And uh, I know it's sold out, but they're, they're making arrangements to have it uh, uh, virtual. So... You're listening to Jesus 911, and uh, up, up next is Gary Mishuda with Hands On Apologetics from the Midwest Command Center. Keep the faith. Remember, say your rosary daily. Love you. We're out. 10-7. Out. E-O-W.